where the Eagles have hired two new coordinators. Uh, it's Vincent Ty coming at you live. Uh, Pat and Seamus will be back next week, it seems. We'll get the whole crew back together. But for now, you're stuck with us again. So we're going to talk about the Eagles hires, um, some Philadelphia media drama, because it wouldn't be Philadelphia sports if there wasn't Philadelphia media sport, sports media drama. Uh, we're going to talk some NFL playoff recap, a little bit of the Super Bowl look ahead. And then some of the discourse that's been happening around the NBA with Joel Embiid, uh, the MVP status, his injury status, unfortunately, of course. Uh, but yeah, we're here. Uh, Ty, how you feeling? Uh, uh, I'm okay, considering the selections <laughs> that we have after this weekend, you know, in terms of a Super Bowl yeah. winner. But you know what? We'll get to that a little later. Right. Let's let's start off, because there's two topics with the Eagles. Obviously, I alluded to. There's the A.J. Brown sports media drama, and then there's the coordinator hires. I want to start positively first. Let's talk about the coordinator hires because, like I just alluded to, I find it to be positive. Um, Kellen Moore was a name I didn't really – I didn't. I don't know what I expected, to be honest, at offensive coordinator, but it's certainly a name that I'm, I'm fine with. I mean, his name was thrown around for head coaching considerations for a while. Um, I'm really not all that certain why he was fired, but – Hey, I, I'm, I'm happy with it. You know what I'm most happy, though? Uh, Jason and Travis on the New Heights podcast today alluded to uh, – Jason basically said he's going to ask Kellen Moore what the hell happened on that uh, trick play with Ezekiel Elliott receiving the snap in that uh, Cowboys game. I forget who they were playing, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? I know what you're talking about. Yep. I, I think, yeah, we the, the world needs uh, Jason to ask him what the hell happened with that because it's one of – I think that play and the play – from a few years ago, I think it was like fourth and something with the Colts and the Patriots where the Colts lined everyone up out wide except for a guy snapping the ball and the person receiving the snap, and they ran that play. And I think to this day that's the most confusing play in NFL history. But uh, the one ran by the Cowboys is number two for me. But, yeah, offensively, like, I'm happy with it. Uh, You know, like Nick said, he is going to – this is basically like – if Kellen Moore wants an offense or a head coaching job, <clears throat> he, he landed in a great spot because as Nick said in his uh, press conference, basically whoever came in, in this job was going to run the whole offense. Like it's going to be their scheme. They're going to be calling the plays. So Kellen Moore will really have a chance to shine here. And uh, personally, I've liked what I've seen from his offenses over the last couple of years. So I have no complaints about that hire. Uh, Ty, how are you feeling? But look, look, I, I've, I've been hearing people and seeing people bitch and moan on Twitter and whatnot and hearing people bitch and moan about Kellen Moore. And the main reason why I think most people bitch and moan about him is because he's a former cowboy. Listen, I don't give a shit. Who fucking cares? About get a, like, listen, we all hate the Cowboys. Fuck the Cowboys. But like, like I don't give a on, I don't give a damn about all that. His main job is to come here and to figure out what the fuck went wrong on offense and to make sure that shit doesn't happen again. That's his job. And I do believe that Kellamore can do that. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna pull up some stats real quick that um Absolutely. shout out to Eagles Nation. Um they put it out there. So here's Kellamore's offensive stats, and this is his stats with the Cowboys. Air yards per attempt, 8.1. Average time before pass, 2.73 seconds. We talk about that all the time, how Jalen Hurts struggled against the blitz. He holds on to the ball. Well, guess what? Dak yeah. Prescott, when Kellen Moore was the offensive coordinator, got that ball out of his hand, 2.73 seconds. All right, that is not enough time for, the, for the blitz to get to. Yep. Under sensor, which is a main thing a lot of people complained about, 40%. Shotgun, 60%. Using motion. 47%, which I believe around that time was top five in the NFL. So a lot of these things that he's doing, that he's going to bring, that he did with the Cowboys, he's going to bring here. A lot of those things that we complained about, no motion, um, um, no never, go, never going under center. A lot of those things he's going to bring. So what are you complaining about? Play action, yeah, I mean, 24%. Um, Design rushing percentage, 40%. Design rush on first down, 50%. Yards via pass, 60%. Yards via rush, 40%. He's doing. He's bringing a balanced offense here. What are y'all complaining about? It doesn't make any sense because these are, like you just said, these are all things that all of us fans have been complaining about. You know, they, they rank among the bottom of the league in pretty much all of these st- stats you just said. I know specifically – uh, motion and uh, snaps under center. 
So I, I truly don't get how anyone could be upset. Like, I, I feel like it's one of those things where it's an impossible task to please everybody. And the people that are negative tend to just rise to the top as far as comments. But like, yeah, he's a former cowboy, but like, guys, do you think he's going to, what, what, what do you guys think? He's going to come into Philly and sabotage us, thus sabotaging his career. The guy wants to be a head coach at some point. It's pretty clear. Now you could say, oh, well, he's just going to leave at some point. But, like, we'll fucking cross that bridge when we get there, guys. We just need the offense to simply be better than it was this year. And, and I'm, and I'm glad – brings a lot of those elements. And I'm glad that you mentioned that he wants to resurrect his career and become a head coach because, let's be honest here, a lot of people are also bringing up his tenure over the Los Angeles Stars. Now, me, now me personally, I don't think – all those problems that they had was his fault. They had a lot of injuries this past season, but considering the first also right. And considering the fact that he did not, the offense did struggle this past year over there in Los Angeles. Do you not think for one second that he is going to try to redeem himself? Do you not think for one second he has learned lessons that, you know, he can bring over here that he's not going to make the same mistakes again. I liked Kellen Moore, honestly, when he was with the Cowboys. That was an era of offense for me. That was It was such a pain in the ass because it just seemed like we couldn't get to freaking Dak Prescott. Yeah. And, I mean, one of what's one of the favorite quotes of Philadelphia? Jason Kelsey at the parade after the Super Bowl, he said, hungry dogs run faster. Well, Kellen Moore – is a hungry dog right now. Like you just said, he's trying to resurrect his career. He wants to be a head coach at some point. He's coming off a tenure where, you know, like we just said, the team had its problems. He got fired. Maybe he took a little bit of blame he shouldn't have taken. But he's a hungry dog right now. He's going to be out there trying to prove to people, hey, don't forget about me. I am one of the best offensive minds in the NFL, and I think he's going to be out to prove that. And like I said, people are just kind of impossible to please, but – I'm not going to let my let these comments on Twitter convince me that everybody's mad because I have, you know, like I can only speak to people I talk to, but, you know, people that I'm friends with and group chats with, everyone seems to be pretty happy about the hire that I've personally spoken to. So, you know, there's Twitter trolls and people that are impossible, please, you know, whatever. They weren't going to be happy no matter what, but I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm excited. I think that Kellen Moore, I'm excited to see him get in here, take over, and like I just said, he's he's hungry. He's gonna want to prove himself, and you need someone like that. That's all. That's all I can say about that. And I mean, and then we look at the other side of the ball, uh, the Eagles. Right? We talked about this a little bit last week, but of course, I think like the day after we uh, air our podcast, the Eagles hire Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator. Now. Uh, I think we both said we would be happy with that. I, th- I said he wasn't my first choice in favor of Ron Rivera, but I still said I would be happy with this. He filled a lot of my, uh, a lot of what I wanted as far as like an old, an older coach who's kind of like a hard ass and like he like a lot of teams run the Vic Fangio scheme of defense. So we got the original, and I'm I'm excited for that too. Like I I think he fits the good head coach of the defense kind of role. And I don't have a problem with the move either because it basically, you know, he wasn't my choice. My choice was Mike Vrabel, but he basically marks off pretty much what I always pretty much wanted in my coordinator. I want an older coordinator because I want the old school, you know, take no take no bullshit, you know, attitude, which is really what old school coaches bring. He definitely brings that. We're getting the originator of the Vic Fangio scheme. Not not some head, not some descendant like we talked about last week. We're getting the yeah. original guy where the scheme comes from. Not only that, but you don't think for one second that because he knows that that's his scheme that he's not going to make changes to it, make wrinkles to it unlike his pre- unlike his guys that learned under him. Do you not think he knows how to do that stuff? Like he marks off every single box that I want. A guy that's not going to run uh, and grab a head coaching job because he's not interested in one old school right. head coach to help um, to help train these young guys up in the NFL. Like we're getting everything that we want out of, out and, of Vic Fangio. And, and also with his coaching experience, I'm sure he can give pointers to Nick. Like I'm not saying he won't like, you know, know his role or anything or try to overstep his bounds, but it's good to have someone who has so much experience uh, paired up with a head coach who is still fairly, not fairly, still is flat out new at this. Agree. And I, I just like the the archetype that we have going here with the coordinators, a young, 
you know, a young gun guy who's out to prove himself as an offensive coordinator and a grizzled veteran guy, a defensive coordinator. I feel like that is just a recipe for success. It's a tale as old as time. And Nick's responsible just to be the CEO of the team and keep it all together. But like, like I just said, Vic Fangio could bring a lot of wisdom to Nick. You know, Nick could learn things from him. He's been a coach in this league for a long time. So, and then the couple of the couple of position coaches that he's brought in with him are former defensive coordinators. I mean, did you see? Did you see the size of our defensive line coach? I he mean, good an lord! Intimidating man, an intimidating man. I mean, if he don't know how to coach defensive lines, we got a problem with our hands. I'm just saying. Like he could get on down there and play defensive line right now. Like Jesus Christ! Like I, I, I like what Vic Fangio is bringing to this team, especially on defense, because like we talked about, I'm only predicting either one to two guys over the age of thirty on this roster come next year. You're going to have an influx of twenty year olds, young to mid twenty year olds. So they need to be trained. They need they need to be brought up. We don't develop players here in Philadelphia. I don't know why we've just never had the coaches to do it. Now I think we're finally going to have the coaches that know how to develop players, and we need yeah, they, that. Those young guys need a figure that demands respect, and Vic Fangio brings that. And like you said, I think it's important also, like he's not going to run off and look for a head coaching job because he's been around so long he doesn't care about that. And also his beloved Phillies are here, so he's never going to leave. <laughs> you had to slide that's the biggest. That's the biggest <laughs> part of this puzzle. That's the reason why he took the job. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but yeah, I like the Vic Fangio hire. Like he, he's gonna he's gonna do wonders for this defense, and we're gonna have a solid guy for hopefully years to come. Yeah, I, I'm excited, man. Like obviously, it's still tough. I'm still the wounds are still healing from how this season ended, and it's not like I'm saying, oh, I'm so ready for the next season. But like I think that it, you know we had two coordinator openings, and I think they did a good job with both of them. I'm fi- I wanted Nick fired. I'm fine with him being back. I think it does help with a little bit of continuity with the team. Uh, and uh, listen, I just I think that they've done a good job this offseason thus far. It's still very early, a lot of time for them to fuck up potentially, who knows. I doubt it, but <laughs> I just I like what they've done so far. So, no complaints from me. I'm happy with the coordinators. Now let's move into the part where me and you, I'm sure that we're both about to have a lot of complaints. Go ahead. You got um, go ahead. You got the floor. Is- I'm going to let you get the floor. Go ahead. Yeah, this is this has nothing to do with the team itself, but um, you know, there's a saying I've seen on Twitter a lot, and it says, "Nobody hates Philly athletes more than the Philly media, and nobody hates the Philly media more than the Philly fans." And by God, that is true over these last couple of days because I swear to God, I have seen a certain uh, radio show post a poll asking if we should get rid of. Uh, AJ Brown in favor of I don't know like Patrick Sertain I've seen it like five times in the last week I I mean we're trying to run AJ Brown out of the city for what reason I'm really confused and I I just feel like our city constantly fucking does this especially the sports radio stations it's almost like they don't like when the teams are successful so when they get star players it's like oh well let's cause some drama and try to run them out of town and then we can go back to where we're making the most uh profits which is most likely when the teams suck and people are miserable it's it's just really fucking annoying as uh, because at the end of the day like yeah i do a podcast but like i'm a fucking i'm a fan at the end of the day you know tagline of this podcast we try to say is by the fans for the fans and jesus christ that is very true i'm just a fan and it really is annoying as shit constantly seeing these Philly radio stations drum up fake fucking drama. Drama that doesn't belong. And, like, it sucks because then, like, you don't know what these players are seeing or what they're hearing. And you don't want A.J. Brown to think that that city doesn't love him because 99.9% of this fan base does love him. He's one of the best wide receivers in football. We have one of the best wide receiver tandems in football. And people will fucking want to tear that down for a couple clicks it's just it's annoying and it just it's constant it's if it's not this it's something else and it just it never stops the endless cycle of annoying bullshit and just like made up like should the eagles trade aj brown for patrick Sertain? where the fuck did that idea even come from that just you guys just sitting around brainstorming like i'm sorry but it's just it's so baseless it's so annoying i'm just so over it all right so 
it's a it's times like this where I feel ashamed that I was even part of what's considered media. I feel ashamed. And it's for these it it's for the reason that you just described is for the reason like I feel ashamed because in a way I contributed to that chaos though. I spoke against it because I was a part of it. My name was attached to it. So I was a part of that chaos. And if any athlete, you know, if I said anything about any athlete, I don't remember if I did or I didn't, I pretty much was always pro athlete, but I apologize. And I'm, I made a video for my podcast as well. It's going to be coming out soon. Nameless plug. But <laughs> yeah, no, plug, plug all you want, Ty. So, but here's my stance there's too much, there was way too much drama this season to all of a sudden start drumming up made up bullshit that has no validity. Right. We had enough. We had enough real drama. Like, there, we had enough actual drama that happened this year that we don't need to we don't need to create anymore and i think that's the frustrating part about media we are we our voices are so freaking powerful that we can like it, it used to be a running joke people used to say that we would run athletes out of town or athletes would avoid coming here prime athletes would avoid coming here because of how crazy we were as fans and you know what that's not far-fetched that's not crazy because it's bullshit like this in the age of social media is the reason why most athletes probably wouldn't want to come to Philadelphia in the first place because of the drama that's drummed up. There is no validity. There is no backbone. There is no reason why there should be an A.J. Brown trade rumor created by the freaking fans. There should be absolutely no reason. A.J. Brown has given us some of the best years from the wide receiver position we have seen on his team since Terrell freaking Owens. Honestly, he's, he's by far the best that we've had since the, he is the best all round receiver that we've had since Tara Owens and the drama that we are causing based upon his silence. I don't blame him for silence. I don't. I would be silent, too. First of all, we ca- I came on this podcast and I said I thought what he said was bullshit. And that's one thing. But like. AJ Brown was one of the people that came out in 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 very strong defense of Nick Sirianni. Like, so yeah, he might be silent, but like when he does speak, he speaks. You know, he said things like, you know, uh, Nick takes a lot of uh, heat for things that we do, and we appreciate that in a coach, and you know all that shit. And like I said, I thought it was bullshit, but he said it. He he did say he did go out of his way to not make Nick look better, but try to help him out. So I, I don't get where this is fucking coming from. And like to make matters, <sighs> then the drama you're trying to create between AJ Brown and Jalen hurts. Oh my fucking God. I'm sick. Dude. He's <laughs> the fucking, isn't, isn't he like the Godfather? Jalen hurts is the Godfather of AJ Brown's daughter. Why are you trying to create drama between that? There's no, dr- let me tell you something. And this is this is me personally. I don't know how Vince. I don't know how you deal with your best friends, but this is me personally how I deal with my best friends. All right, I can go months on end without talking to them, without saying anything to them, and then all of a sudden we'll shoot a text message. Hey man, you alive? You alive? Yeah, cool, right. cool. We may call each other and we'll catch up like any nothing happened, like we right. didn't miss no time at all. How do you not? That's how it should be? How do y'all not? How how can do y'all really know the the? The relationship between AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts, do y'all really know it? Because if you don't, you might as you you just mind your fucking business. People people get in their heads because they saw like one clip of one game where Jalen and AJ got into a disagreement. It's like, bro, these are you're they're in the NFL, which automatically means they're two of the most competitive people in the fucking world. Like they fucking hate each other or anything my god they just had a disagreement about you know whatever a player or something or just a miscommunication like people act like that's the end of the world like they see two guys get into it a little bit not even get into it really they just exchanged words and suddenly it's like oh they must hate each other like are we fucking serious michael jordan used to punch his teammates in the face and those dudes still you know went out there and busted their ass for him AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts gotten a little bit of a back and forth on the sideline like one time and everyone's like they must hate each other. Like, are we being fucking serious right now? Like you just said about your best friends, like 
guys, have you never gotten into any disagreements at all with your best friends? Like, or is it just happy-go-lucky all the time? You're telling me you've never gotten a little disagreement and then, like, two minutes later, you're just like, well, you know, what's up? What are you doing this weekend? Like, like it never happened. Like, I, I, I just – I don't fucking know. And I, it's just – it's so annoying as a fan from the outside because, like, they also – they high, th- these radio stations, they highlight a certain type of fan – and elevate their voice to the top. And it sucks because they become the voice of Philadelphia fans when most fans aren't like that. But the negativity tends to always rise to the top. I literally had this conversation with some friends today about, like, movies. And the example I use is, like, like a movie trailer could release, right? And a million people might see it and be like, oh, that looks pretty good. But they're not going to comment. They're not going to feel the need to comment. They're just going to be like, oh, that looks good, and then move on. But the people that think it looks like shit or something, they're going to be the ones that comment, this looks like it's terrible, this looks like it sucks, blah, blah, blah. So then when you look at the comments as another a third party, you're like, oh, man, people must really like think this is terrible. But in reality, it's just because the negativity always rises to the top. And, and that's what's happening in with this city and as far as like sports media – and, and fans go because they're the voices you hear from the most. And it sucks that that has become a representation of Philadelphia as a sports town because, and I'm not like naming anything specifically here, but like some of these fans that call into these stations are, are, are for I don't know what else to say besides like they're fucking idiots, man. They're just fucking idiots. And they push shit like this and it's also the hosts, but like, it's just a real shame that that is what we have to represent us as a fan base when that's not what most of the fan base is like. I said this on my video and I'm going to say this right now um, on y'all, on y'all pot. If AJ Brown somehow in some way sees this and listens to this, I'm going to let you know right now, doc. And I'm just speaking on behalf of me. I know Vince is probably going to agree, but I'm speaking on behalf of me when I say this, you got one fan in me. I got your back. I understand. And I would love AJ Brown to play the rest of his career as a Philadelphia. Yes. Like we just said, he's the best. He's the most talented all around wide receiver that has played for this team since T.O., who's like a top three wide receiver of all time. So, yeah, you got a fan of me too, AJ. Like, I apologize for the media. I apologize for these stupid fans that is really a minority compared to the passionate fan yeah. that is here that that the smart fan the average fan is smarter than the fan that like Vince said gets elevated and the voice gets heard because that's the voice that's the loudest and, and, and Ty you want to know you don't know it's funny real quick not to mm-hmm. cut you off but I just think it's also funny how if AJ Brown you know is hearing all this shit and hearing all this the dumb takes that come from these radio stations or the fans that call into them if he was to comment on it you know what they would say? They'd call him, they say he's being emotional or he, should, he shouldn't be focusing on it or he's being a diva. It's like, no, you know what? These If they want to comment on this shit and say you guys are, are, are stupid, then fucking by all means. If A.J. Brown came out tomorrow and went on a rant basically saying, fuck these radio stations, you know, blah, blah, blah. I would be like, absolutely, fuck them. They are they are talking out the side of their mouth. But they would go on and be like, oh, he's so emotional. He's a diva. But you guys are the ones talking crazy about him. Yep. And like athletes are humans, guys. And how do, how do you expect how do you expect him to react? Like, let's be honest here. How do you really expect an athlete like that to react? Like, I think for me, that's the that's the frustrating part, and that's the pain in the ass part. Like, how do you how do you expect him to react to you putting out there that you want him traded for another player. How do you expect him to react when you're trying to interfere in his relationship with Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts? Who, by the way, Jalen Hurts is the godfather of his daughter. So they have a way deeper relationship than anyone can really understand. Like, so how do you expect him to react? Like you said, Vince, if he came out and said, you know what? Fuck the radio stations and everybody in that and everybody in that media uh, circle. You know what? I wouldn't be mad at them. I truly wouldn't, cause they would fucking deserve it. It's no reason why we should be speculating, even talking about this. There's way too much drama. There's way too many signings going on, and there's way too many topics that I that we could come up with that are a whole lot better than speculating about a man's future. Right. Like 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 I said, these athletes are human. So like human. Re- like, yeah, like, like, I feel like sometimes people get too high and mighty. We're like, oh, they shouldn't read anything. But like, dude, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. They just happen to be naturally talented at playing football. But like, 
it's kind of like why, and I know this is like a hot take, but like I kind of like the whole Kevin Durant burner thing or like now how he just does it on his regular account because like it, he comes off as being a real person. Like if you were reading all these people saying dumb shit, like you'd want to comment back sometimes too. So I kind of respect that Kevin Durant will get down in the weeds with someone on Twitter who's talking crazy. So like I kind of respect would respect if AJ did the same exact thing. I wouldn't feel any type of way about it. And Ty, I think the point you made at the end of your uh, point, that longer point there, is one of the best like points to focus in on here. There is so much other shit going on that we could talk about. The Philadelphia Eagles just hired two new coordinators, and we're spending time talking about hypothetical trade scenarios for our best receiver that you guys made up out of thin air. There is so much other shit that we could talk about. And and like you said, man, if you want to talk about drama, just talk about the real drama that occurred over the season. Instead, we're, we're fo- taking the focus away from real topics, real drama, to, to play fantasy fucking – we're playing in the fantasy world here. Play Madden. We're just basically. making things up. We're playing Madden. We're, we're, what are we what, what are we doing? It's And, you know, I don't want to go on about this forever, but it's it's terrible. It's annoying. And like you said, like, you know, you don't want to say it draws athletes away from coming here, but, like, at the same time, like, I wouldn't fucking blame any – like, if I could be a fly on the wall and see, you know, some athlete who's thinking about signing with Philly being like, yeah, but, like, they do this and they're running out of town. But I wouldn't even like, how would I be able to say like, that's wrong? Because again, fans like me and you exist and they, we are the majority, but we are not the voices that are risen to the top. We are not the voices that are uh, highlighted and given a platform as big as these other negative people are. And I think Vince, that needs to change, to be honest with you. I really do think that needs to change. Like it, it, uh, us being silent's got to stop. It's got to stop. Yeah. Listen, I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like everything's got to be happy go lucky and right. all this shit. Like people will say, "Oh, well, you what do you want them to just be happy?" No, I'm not saying that. But there's real, there's real shit to talk about. Real bad shit. Be negative all the fuck you want if reality aligns itself with negativity. Yep. We live in the real world. That's all I ask. Yep. I totally agree. I totally agree. Like and it's like like I said, AJ Brown. If you somehow somebody said this, there are. There are real fans out here. We support you. We love you. And we want you to play for the Philadelphia Eagles for the rest of your career. Straight up. Guess what? You can say, oh, athletes say this shit all the time. A.J. Brown has said as much. He said he never wants to play with another quarterback besides Jalen Hurts. But people will still try to tell you that they must secretly not like each other behind closed doors. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. That's And like you said, that, that one is especially offensive because that's a real-life bond that they have. It's not just football. So for the fucking media to try to just – themselves in there and put a, try to put like a wedge between them. It's just I, I would imagine that they're sitting behind closed doors laughing about how fucking ridiculous it is. It, it's got to be. It's got to be hilarious to these athletes. I, I would love to sit down and just be like, just like pick their brains about some of the things that they probably read about on Twitter or they hear about in the newspaper. Like I would just love to just pick their brains to see how they feel about it. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would just like I said, I would just imagine they're laughing and being like, "Look out! Look at these fucking people making shit up." But that's all I got on that, man. It's just Philly media, you know, be better. We're on this podcast. We, we we try to do our best, and we live in reality. You know, we don't fucking make up fake trade rumors. Which, by the way, uh, whatever scenario keeps AJ Brown on this football team, like we just said, I don't give a fuck. So that's that's what I want. But um. Moving on from the Eagles, uh, we had a crazy, crazy weekend of NFL Conference Championship weekend, which for my money, I don't know if this is a hot take, but like, you know, this, I guess the Super Bowl, but like, I don't know, Conference Championship weekend is like just the fucking best, man, because you get two games that are that are both huge and you, you really feel it, and it, it honestly, like, I'm, this is going to sound weird because I'm very fucking upset the Eagles weren't there. It, it did feel nice in a way to just watch these games without, like, a real rooting interest except for rooting against the 49ers, even yep. though we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but, yeah, let, let's get into these games real quick. We talk about the first game first. Uh, Baltimore hosted Kansas City in the AFC Championship. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has been a starting quarterback for six years in the NFL. That was his sixth straight AFC championship appearance. I'm pretty sure up until this year, he, they had hosted five in a row. 
So that's just fucking insane. Um, I, I mean, what can we say, man? The fucking Chiefs, they just they turn it on in the playoffs. They come alive. This team looked washed a month ago. Travis Kelsey looked old and slow a month ago. He suddenly primed Kelsey again. I can't remember the exact numbers. They mentioned it on New Heights again today. Um, in his last 12 playoff games, Travis Kelsey has put up like 1,200 yards and 13 touchdowns or some shit. It, it's it's an absurd stat. Mahomes and Kelsey in only six years together have already become the highest. Uh, they have the most touchdowns by a quarterback-receiver duo in uh, NFL history. Travis Kelsey just surpassed Jerry, Jerry Rice's uh, postseason receiving yards record. Like, the team, it, it's kind of crazy. Like, we – we just lived through the Patriots dynasty, right? And it was kind of like, this will never happen again. Who knows? But it's like the fucking Chiefs are – not that they're doing the Patriots thing again because it's way too soon to say that. But, like, they're fucking on the way there. And it's kind of crazy because, like I said, we just saw this historic run by a team. And who would have thought that another team would just follow it up like that? But, I mean, they – the de- uh, Steve Spagnolia has that defense looking fucking – that defense is the best that Mahomes has played with so far. Um, a, a lot of talk this whole year about the receivers, and rightfully so. I mean, the receivers were dropped. I think they led the league in drop passes this year. I mean, MVS dropped that game-winning touchdown pass against our Eagles. Uh, so the struggles were there all season, and now that's just gone. MVS is catching the game-sealing catch. Uh, Mahomes, is, Mahomes is always going to be Mahomes, but he made some fucking plays in this game that were just unreal. Um, this wasn't as much him as it was Kelsey, but that, that first touchdown by Travis Kelsey was incredible. Um, that I think it was third down. You know exactly what play I'm talking about. That yep. crazy play where Mahomes got hit and tra- Travis made that wild catch. That was just – it's just insane. And, like, Mahomes is on his way. He's on the path to being the GOAT quarterback. Now, you're going to get drawback because people are always going to be like, well, he's never going to catch Brady in rings. I mean, we'll see. Even if, even if fucking Mahomes finishes his career with, like, four rings, which is, by the way, is a lot of rings. It's just, you know, in comparison to Brady – but, like, he's the most talented quarterback I've ever seen with my own two eyes by, like, not even close, man. It was, to me, it was Aaron Rodgers uh, for a while as far as just most talent straight up. But, like, Mahomes takes that pretty easily, I think. I mean, there's just nothing on the field that he can't do. I mean, he's he's sneaky mobile. He's got a strong arm. He's accurate. He just does fucking – he's perfect. He is the perfect quarterback. And it, it just – I'm jealous. Not that I'm – because I love Jalen Hurts, but just – I'm sure it must be nice to just be Kansas City and just have the greatest quarterback potentially of all time on your team. Uh, but just in, in 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 terms of the game, Baltimore. Uh, I mean, it sucks, man. That was that was probably your best chance. I mean, I'm talking about how the Chiefs turned it on, but this was probably the weakest team that they've had specifically offensively in a while. You had them at home. I'm listen. I'm a huge fan of Lamar. You know, I think I said it on the last podcast. That's why I was rooting for the Ravens. But, I mean, dude, he just – I would be remiss to say he did not play a very bad second half because he did. I mean, that one, that interception he threw in a triple coverage, it just made no sense. There's just not much to say, man. The Ravens just didn't do what I thought they would do because I thought for sure that they were just the better overall team. Um, and Not to mention, you could very easily uh, tell which team in this game was more experienced because the Ravens were letting the Chiefs get in their heads a lot. Um, you know, and before the game, you have the little thing with Justin Tucker and Travis Kelsey, which, by the way, was a nothing burger. They both have laughed about it since it happened, like Tucker in the post-game press conference and Travis on today's episode of their Not podcast. Not only that, but Justin were... was kicking on their practice side. So, like, Right, exactly. <laughs> so he, he shouldn't have had his shit in the way anyway. So, like, Whatever, but that was nothing. But then you have, you know, it starts a fight, and the Ravens are, are making starting fights on the sideline. And then you have a couple uh, – towards the end of the second quarter, two personal fouls in a row with, uh, you know, Van Noy comes in shoving. And, you know, you could say, oh, well, he's the third guy. But, like, dude, that's always who they catch. They never catch the first person that does that shit. It's always, like, the second or third guy that gets in trouble. So, like, that that's just a known fact. And then, you know, a, a pretty bad uh, – I think the call was because Mahomes took a hit to the head. Like, they just – they shot themselves in the foot. You had Zay Flowers uh, taunting, and people – don't get me wrong. I'm all for taunting. Like, I think it was a little bit weak as well. But, like, if you're Zay Flowers, you just got to know better. Like, 
I had no problem with the standover, but I think where he ran into a problem was dropping the ball on Snead and like a seemingly shoving him to the ground. But regardless of that, I mean, fucking Snead got his lick back a couple plays later because he caused that fumble at the goal line. So that was, I mean, honestly, that was kind of a cool moment that he was the one that caused that fumble. But uh, the Ravens, man, they just, I think they showed a lot of inexperience in this game. And they, 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 listen, they could be back, but. I'm gonna, say, not the... I'm gonna say this right now. Lamar fucked up. Lamar fucked up big time. Lamar did not show up in that game. And I was highly disappointed in that offense and in Lamar Jackson. Because the defense, the Baltimore defense did their job. Like they held Patrick Mahomes to 17 points for the entire fucking game. Yeah, no zero points in the second half. Right. So like the defense did their job. The offense never woke up. And like you said, give credit to Steve Spagnuolo. I believe they have the number one ranked defense actually this year compared to last year when it was like the 28th or 29th. Like it was one of the worst defenses. Like those guys, those young guys, that young secondary is flying to the ball. Now they're playing with a whole lot more confidence. That young defense, I mean, it was incredible to see. But Lamar definitely messed up. And it's a shame because the I, second half was bad. It was horrible. It was it was worse than the first half. It it really truly was. And you yeah, know, I thought he looked fine in the first half, and then the second half. Yeah, just, first, yeah, he he did okay in the first half, and then that second half came. And you know what? It's 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 funny because I've always had this debate with people for years, and both of these games pretty much showed it. And we'll talk about the second uh, the second conference game in a minute, but. The Kansas City Chiefs did something that I thought the Ravens was going to do. And it was disappointing because it was the Ravens' background and it was the Ravens' identity. And that is run the ball. They did not run the ball enough on Sunday. And it was highly disappointing. Like you look, you, re- you relied you relied so much on Lamar's arm to get the job done. You didn't need to rely on Lamar's arm. You truly didn't. Like, Lamar Lamar looked very hesitant to run in this game. And, like, listen, I don't know what he's thinking, but I'm just going to get this take out there. Like, I almost feel like he was too focused on proving the haters wrong. Like, hey, look, I can throw the ball. Like, dude, we all know that. But, like, don't change what you're great at just to fucking prove. Like, you don't have anything to prove to people. Like, fuck the haters and shit. Like, you're great at running the football. So run the football. We all, most normal football fans know that you can throw the ball, but like what you're great at is running. And I feel like he almost shied away from it a little bit. But two things, man, like good teams, good playoff teams run the ball and they play good defense. They run the ball and they play good. So I don't care what nobody says about this new school of passing the ball all the damn time. I don't give a damn that people are starting to overlook defense and say the defense doesn't matter because it's not true. And we saw that this past weekend. The Baltimore Ravens at, were playing defense, yeah. but they failed to run the ball. And the, and guess what? The Chiefs ran the ball. And that's how I they was, were yeah. able to milk the clock and keep Lamar and that offense off the field. I was going to say, arguably, all four teams that played in the conference championship weekend, their identity is more so running the football. I mean, the Lions, it's a little questionable, but the Niners with CMC, the Ravens with, you know, that plethora of running backs plus Lamar, the Chiefs even with Isaiah Pacheco, who runs like a fucking freight train. I, I goddamn, I love watching him run the ball. Just it is angry. electric. It, yeah, he runs angry as shit. It's electric. Um, you know, and I kind of t- tie this back into the Eagles a little bit. So I just want to preface this. I'm not giving up on Jordan Davis yet. But boy, oh boy, did it hurt to watch Kyle Hamilton be possibly the best overall player on the field in that game. I think um, I was definitely Kyle Hamilton in the draft. Dude, he, so, yeah. he, he is fucking incredible, man. I yep. mean, he was all, he's already an all-pro at, at a position the fucking Eagles desperately need. And he was just out there flying around, dude. He was, he was everywhere. I, every fucking tackle that was made on that field, damn near Kyle Hamilton was right there in on that tackle. I mean, he he just flies around the field. He is an electric football player, and it really sucks because a lot of people are like, oh, we can't rewrite history. I'm not rewriting any history for me. I wanted them to draft Kyle Hamilton. Now, was I, like, mad when they drafted Jordan Davis? No, no not at all. I, I was I was fine with it, but, like, I wanted Kyle Hamilton. And I'm not rewriting any history here, but that dude is just – He's a he's a joy to watch, and he's going to be a great safety in this league for a number of years. Oh, no doubt. And yeah, it's it's. I'm not I'm not a guy that's going to play revisionist history. And at the end of the day, 
I think, and I need people to understand this. Did Jordan Davis look out of shape a little bit? But I think the entire defense as a whole failed as a unit. So to highlight just one person over these over those weeks is what, in, in my opinion, was completely unfair. Not only that, yeah. but I need people to understand something about the three four technique, the three four base uh, defense, and that that nose tackle. His main job is to take up double teams. His job is not necessarily to put up numbers. Now, what's flashy about Jordan Davis is that not only did he take on double teams in Georgia, but he also beat those double teams and kicked all types of ass. That's what right. made him stand out. But this is the NF freaking L. Like those those like those guards and centers get paid too, and it's a whole different level. So like let's stop let's stop already writing off Jordan Davis as a bust because I've been seeing that crap yeah. too. And that's why I prefaced it by saying I'm not giving up on him. And like I honestly think that this take is more about Kyle Hamilton being great than it is about Jordan Davis being a bust because it's far from that. I mean, it's way too early to call him a bust. He could easily come out next year and fucking, you know, oh my God, he's a, he's a pro bowler or whatever. We'll see what happens with his career. I'm not closing the book there. Just Kyle Hamilton is just uh, a phenomenal player in a position that the Eagles need. And, you know, it, it hurts a little bit, but I'm like, I, like you said, I'm not closing the book on him at all. He's here and I'm riding with him until he's not. And hopefully that is uh later rather than sooner. Cause uh, that would mean he had a successful career here. Uh, but for the Ravens as a whole, um, I did just like allude a little bit to like, you know, they're young and they're a little inexperienced. And like, I was, I was getting ready to say, you know, oh, they'll probably be back, but like, and this could be a seamless segue in the next game. But like Dan Campbell said in the immediate aftermath of their game, they might not be back. They might never be back because sometimes that's just what happens. I mean, look at some of the people People look at some of the teams that have uh, made a conference championship in the last couple of years that just like go nowhere with it. I mean, the Titans were in the conference championship a few years ago. The, the Jaguars were in the conference championship a few years ago. Those teams haven't sniffed that success since they were one year wonders. And now I'm not saying that's definitely what's going to happen here with the Ravens or the Lions, but it's the reality of the NFL. Like, you, like Dan Marino, I, was it his rookie year he went to the Super Bowl? It was ve- he was very young. He went to the Super Bowl and lost. And I'm sure. That all the people in Miami said, we got a great quarterback, we'll be back. Never went back. It's just the nature of the NFL. And that that sucks when you so when you squander opportunities like you know the Ravens and especially the Lions had, it's kind of tough to get over that. And especially like even like the Eagles last year. Mm-hmm. It's tough to get over that because you know, we all want to say the Eagles will be back, but like you truly never know. I feel bad for more for the Lions because I don't feel like they're yeah. gonna be back. I feel like that yeah, was their one opportunity, um, as MMM said, and they squandered <laughs> it, and they and they just freaking blew it. And oh, I, I, it, what pisses me off about the Lions was that they were doing so great against the 49ers. The weakness of the 49ers, and I tell everybody this, the 49ers like smacking people in the mouth. They play physical football, but they don't like getting smacked in the mouth back. Yeah. And that's what the Lions were doing. They were smacking them in the mouth and they had they had their foot on their throats and they didn't finish the job. They started be reverting back to the traditional Lions and started getting lazy and making questionable decisions. Dan Campbell instead of kicking yeah, the I, damn field goal. J- Jameer Gibbs in that first half looked like one of the best. I think I still believe that he's going to be one of the best running backs in football in like a year or two. He is he is incredible. I mean, and the Niners, man, like, so we'll talk about this when we talk about the, the Super Bowl preview, but they just have not impressed me in these playoffs so far. Um, but like I, like you said, man, the Lions just, there was, they took their foot off the gas in that second half, getting a little weird with the calls. But like, okay, so this, this is going to be like a little bit of a different take here. I don't get on – I was at first, but the more I've sat with and thought about it, I don't exactly blame Dan Campbell that much for going for it on those fourth downs. And the reason why I don't is because, A, it's how they got here, and it's who they who he is as a coach. And, B, like the plays worked. Josh Reynolds just couldn't catch a fucking ball to save his life, which is a goddamn shame. The thing that I – more than anything, blame Dan Campbell for in this game. And I think it is one of the most unforgivable things he's done is running the ball on that third down yep. at the end of the game, way, wasting a timeout, a timeout, which was the only chance they stood 
aside from an onside kick, which, you know, never get recovered anymore, basically. It was the only chance they stood at uh, finishing that game on top. And instead, for some reason, he runs the ball. They have to waste that timeout. Jared Goff throws a touchdown on uh, fourth down. And then it just basically comes down to the the, uh, the onside kick, which, like I just said, I don't know what the numbers are exactly, but it's very fucking low. Like, damn near, like, 1% of the time they get recovered. So, like, I don't know what the hell he was thinking running the football there. As far as the other co- play calls go, like, yes, don't get me wrong. They're, they're bad. He should have taken the points. But I'm not exactly going to get on him too hard because it, at the end of the day, that's who Dan Campbell has been all year. So I guess I can't really, like, blame him for sticking with what got him there. But then, at the, you know what, as I'm sitting here thinking about it at the same time, it's the NFL playoffs. You do have to adapt. So it's like I go back and forth, but he definitely deserves a good amount of blame for the other shit. And also, like, uh, the stats came out about the kicker. I forget the exact numbers, but he was only kicking, like, around 50% on 45-plus-yard kicks. Whereas this year, the Lions on fourth down had a conversion rate of like 70 to 80% or something like that. So the odds were higher that you convert a fourth down other than that kicker making the kick. But it's just, it's just a weird uh, call. I would have, I personally probably would have taken those points because you make it a three score game and they didn't. And look where it got them. Yeah. Now watching from the sidelines, well, I got to deal with another four, some more 49ers fans and they're, obnoxious fan base i'm gonna be honest with you and this is a real quick take and this is just my personal opinion i personally I, I personally think that 49ers fans have and the 49ers team as a whole has become a whole lot more pain in the asses than the dallas cowboys i i truly they're yeah. about to become my number one rival truly yeah i i've been so over like i got i got way more fired up before that niners game than i did for either of the cowboys games this year i mean which sucks because we got our doors blown off but i was i had that fucking game circled when the schedule came out i was very excited because i was hoping we would give those losers a piece of humble pie but and also by the way i am just tired of People, especially Niners fans, acting like this Super Bowl appearance means that they would have beaten us last year if Brock Purdy was healthy. We said it last week. I'm saying it again. Two different fucking teams, man. It doesn't – this year has no bearing on what happened last year because that happened and they were two different teams. Uh, it's simple as that. If you're a 49ers fan telling yourself that because this Super Bowl run happened, you would have beaten the Eagles last year if Brock Purdy was healthy, you're just coping which you don't even have to cope. You're going to the Super Bowl. Fucking get over it. And leave us alone. Super Bowl. Wash your, wash your mouths off of our name out your mouths. Get my name out your mouth. Stop stop mentioning us. Stop worrying about us when you guys are in the Super Bowl, man. Like, fuck it. Like, with all due respect, if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm not thinking about the fucking Eagles when I'm about to play in the Super Bowl. Who cares? Like get your mind off, get your mind off me. Like, come on now. Like, uh, I've been lost. I've been out of it. You whooped our asses. Whoop the freaking do. Like you said, that has no bearing on whether or not you would have beat us last year. It yeah. really don't. And I'm gonna be honest with you. The way that Eagles team looked last year, I'm gonna be honest with you. There was nothing that was gonna stop that Eagles team from going to the Super Bowl. Exactly. They were. They were. Great. They were just on a roll. Brock Purdy didn't look good in that game anyway. It just. It just mean this means nothing compared to that. It's two separate seasons, man. I wish they would understand that more. But like. The Niners as a whole on their side, dude, and this is not me being biased because I just said I don't like them, but, like, they have not impressed me at all in these playoffs. They they won two games that they really should have lost. One to the Packers, who were, like, an average team who were putting it together at the end, and then this game, the Lions self-imploded. Now, that's not to give the Niners no credit. They right. did come back in this game. I'm not taking that away from them. But, like, the Lions – shoot themselves in the foot they like took a shotgun and blew their you know kneecap off like that's what they did in this game they, they completely did it to themselves same thing with the Packers you know you had a missed kick that screwed that whole game up Jordan Love at the end of the game makes a terrible decision like the Niners have not impressed me one single bit like they just have not and like Brock Purdy I, I I'm I'm ready to move on from people shitting all over Brock Purdy because I think it's larger than just him like he does get a lot of shit and, oh, he's not – like, he's he's a perfectly fine – this is a negative he's a game manager. To it. Yeah, and I feel like this is a negative connotation to it, what I'm about to say, but I don't mean it negatively. He's a system quarterback, and he fits that system like a glove. 
it, it is what it is. I've said before, I think that a lot of quarterbacks could play in that system and succeed, but I think that he is the perfect quarterback for that system because he just doesn't, he doesn't have to do too much. Now, my complaint with the 49ers in this um, playoffs is that like you've seen moments where they're playing from behind and he does sort of do too much and he throws interceptions, which to kind of start transitioning into our Super Bowl uh, preview, I think that's probably why I'm picking the Chiefs because I think what I foresee in this game, if I close my eyes and try to predict it, is that the Chiefs probably come out early, get on the board, and the, the 49ers offense has been struggling and the Chiefs defense is really fucking good. So I think the Niners might get up by uh, two scores, maybe 10 nothing, you know, going into the second quarter or midway through the second quarter. And I just think that from that point, the Niners playing from behind, Brock Purdy might have to do a little more. And, you know, are the lights too bright? And, you know, we've seen him when, when they play from behind, he doesn't look the best. And I just think that's how it goes. And also just fly out transparency. I'm just not picking against Patrick Mahomes again. Sorry. I'm just done. I'm just overdoing it. It's like picking against Tom Brady at this point. He just fucking proves you wrong every time, right? You know, we're not a gambling podcast or anything, but the Niners, I think the game opened up with the Niners as a two and a half point favorite. The line has already moved down the one and a half point favorites for the Niners. I personally am going to tease the line up to minus two and a half for the Chiefs because I am very confident they win this game. I mean, I could very easily be wrong, but I just think that they are they are much hotter right now. I feel like the Niners have kind of stumbled into this game, whereas the Chiefs, like, like I just said, the Niners have played two uninspiring games against one average team, and the Lions are good, but the Lions completely lost the game themselves. Whereas the Chiefs are coming off two weeks of being underdogs, going into Buffalo and into Baltimore, and just flat out winning those games. So I have a lot more faith in them. And also, like, at the end of the day, football – it's not always this way, but like when you look at it, you're really like the quarterback decides the game. And the the one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time is on one side and Brock Purdy's on the other. And like you just said, running the football and defense is, you know, what wins in, in this league. And they both do it pretty well. But I think that the Chiefs defense makes the difference here because the Niners, the Niners uh, defense has not looked very great. In no. my opinion, their D line has not looked good like at all, really. And I think, dude, I, I think we got to have a discourse about Chase Young. When he when he was acquired by the Niners, everyone was like, "Oh my God, the Niners! How does the league let them get away with this, dude? He's he's fucking average, average as fuck. He, I have not seen anything out of him that has impressed me since he. I don't know when. Not this whole entire year. You know, like shout out to the Chicago Bears because you know the Commanders did a fire sale on their defense and they ended up with in my opinion, the much better pass rusher in Montez Sweat because Chase Young has just looked mid, mid as hell. And the whole line has, honestly. And I think that's where the game will be decided. I think the Chiefs are going to out-physical them, and I think they're going to end up winning in the end. Yeah, I think I think so, too. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. I do think, you know, the Chiefs are definitely going to take take that game. Um, I, that defense, like I said, is number one in the NFL for a reason, and they proved that against Baltimore. And they also, in a way, they kind of proved it against um, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills as yeah. well. Yeah, uh, given given Steve Spagnuolo two weeks to prep for Brock Purdy, it's kind of what leans me in the direction of the Chiefs pretty easily. Yeah, so like, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I just think that on defense, on defensively, I just think that Chiefs is going to bully that 49ers offense. They're not going to let them just not going to let you know, Brock Purdy just sit there with all that time in the pocket and just pick them apart like he has done. He's not going to let Debo Samuel just run wide open. He's not going to let Brandon Ayuk go deep. All right. So, like, it, it, so, yeah, I, I'm in short, I'm I'm definitely going for Chiefs. And, yeah, I, I'm going to say it. Patrick Mahomes is today's Tom Brady. I'm saying it. He's on, he's on pace, man. He's, he's fucking incredible. I mean, from a talent standpoint, like I said, he's the best I've ever seen. And, like, you could say, oh, the, you're glazing on. Like, I don't know. I, I, I know a lot of people hate the Chiefs. I personally, like, I really just don't because I still love Andy Reid. And, like, Patrick Mahomes is just fun to watch. And I didn't really feel one way or the other about Travis Kelsey until he started doing his podcast with Jason. And now, like, I really like him because, I, I don't know, he seems funny. He seems down to earth, like, all that shit. So, I, I'm a fan of the Chiefs. I, I'm, it's not ultimately why I'm picking them. I mean, the Niners just haven't shown me anything. I mean, 
they could come out in this game and be the Niners that we saw earlier in the season be dominant. But, like, I have nothing to go off that for the playoffs. So they haven't shown me a single bit of that. So that's the reason at the end of the day. It's not because I don't like the Niners. I'm trying to be – I'm being as unbiased as I possibly can be. Just they have not impressed me at all. No, they haven't. So, yeah, I'm definitely going for Chiefs in this and, and I, one. Real quick, just before we wrap, to wrap up the football talk, the last thing I want to say, I'm going to go on a quick, very quick rant. The people online that are complaining about the Taylor Swift thing have become 10 times more, not 10, 10,000 times more annoying than the actual act of Taylor Swift being shown on the screen itself. First of all, I saw a stat that in the last game, she was shown for 0.46% of the broadcast. If that bothers you or ruins football for you or you can't watch the game, I don't know what to fucking tell you. Like, it's it's such a nothing issue that I truly don't get where people are, are coming from bitching about this. Like, they show it for, like, one second after Travis scores a touchdown. Who fucking cares? And also, if you're going to be mad at someone, if you really got to be mad at someone about this for some reason because you're a weirdo, I guess, be mad at the broadcast. She's just there. Like, she's not fucking putting the camera on herself. I, I just don't get this issue. It's become so much bigger than it, it needed to be. Like, it's a fucking story. They're going to talk about it. But, like, who who cares, man? It's not like I'm not going to enjoy the Super Bowl because they might show Taylor Swift for a, a couple seconds after a touchdown is scored. I, I don't care. It's not that deep. It comes off as people just fucking get blindly hating women and hating everything they do because – I guarantee you, if she wasn't at the fucking game, all these same people would be like, wow, Trav- uh, Taylor Swift doesn't even support her boyfriend. She must think she's too good to go to an NFL game. It's, it's just such a weird topic. People have really been acting so weird about this. And I'm just here to be like, let's all just act like normal people because this doesn't fucking matter. It's it's so weird. I, I just, I'm so over the discourse because it's all it's all I see on Twitter. All I see is people... Oh my God, Taylor Swift's ruining the NFL, dude! Fucking get a grip, man! Get a fucking grip, people! I'm, I'm not even gonna watch the Super Bowl because then you're just not a fo- fan of football. I don't know. Actually, I just wanted to end on that, just a little rant, because people are very fucking weird and make things bigger than they need to be. But to end the show, and this is another rant, me and you can both go on tie. Oh, I got you on Sixers. this one. Oh, I got you on this yeah. one. Go ahead. Um, so Joel Embiid missed a game against the Nuggets in Denver because of uh, injury. He was not listed on the injury report going into the game. And this is how I'm going to explain it because this is what I would assume. Most likely wanted to play, uh, thought he could play, went through the warm-ups, and then I'm assuming either him uh, – either he said, nah, I'm not good, or someone saw him and said, no, you're not good, and thus he sat. And – Thus started the narrative that Joel Embiid is ducking and he doesn't play. And listen, he has not played a game in Denver since 2019. But people keep saying that stat and conveniently leaving out COVID and also, like, the the knee injury he had that one year. I can't remember. But, like, it, it, just, it, it, it sucks, but it's a, it is coincidence that this is happening to him. Like, it, it just – at the end of the day, it is. And you have now you have – like, Richard Richard Jefferson, by the way, on the day of that Nuggets game, acted completely fucking unprofessional, would not shut up about how Joel Embiid is ducking and this and that. It, the whole media has been fucking insane about this and talking about how Joel's duck. Like, first of all, you could pull up the stats of Joel when he plays against great teams and plays on the road. And someone made this point earlier. Joel Embiid has played a lot of games in uh, – and fuck Boston, right? But we got to give him credit here. Joel Embiid has played a lot of games in Boston at the TD Garden. Do you think that Joel Embiid is more scared to play in front of Denver fans than he is Boston fans? Denver fans don't bring half the fucking intensity that Boston does. I'll give them all the respect in the world for that. They care a lot and they're intense. I highly doubt Joel Embiid is playing games there, but is scared to play games in Denver. Like, give me, give me a break there, honestly. And now you have this whole thing with you know the media calling him out for this, plus the whole MVP sixty-five game mandate thing that is also complete bullshit. So Joel Embiid plays in a game last night after sitting out a couple games with knee swelling. And you could tell right off the bat, he was not okay. He did not look himself right from the three minutes in the game. You could tell he shouldn't be out there, but he pushed through and it was painful to watch. And then at the end of the game, Jonathan Kaminga lands on his knee accidentally. And now Joel needs an MRI and who knows how much time he's going to miss. And we're back to talking about Joel Embiid's health. But like, it's because of the media and it's because of all this bullshit. Like, I'm not saying, like, no one can force anyone to play, but, like, 
I'm, you, Joel Embiid has shown before that he is very active on Twitter and shit, and he sees things. Like, I'm sure he feels a type of way about people accusing him of ducking other players. Like, and and he goes out there and he plays, and all the people that were like, you know, floating around the idea that he, he's faking an injury to duck Jokic. Like, where the fuck is the apology? I know they're ne- they would never do that, but like they should fucking apologize. That's my opinion on it. And that's the part that you, that last part is that that's the part that get me, and that's the part that's pissing me off the most. Is that everybody just assumed that he was faking? Oh, he's faking. He's perfectly fine. If he's perfectly fine, why is he ducking these games? I don't know. Like it, it it's so freaking irritating. You do not think for one second. First off, I know Joel Embiid. He, I, I know he's looking at those tweets. I know he's looking and listening to what people have to say. And I can almost guarantee you that he pushed himself. I can almost guarantee you that he pushed himself to try to prove the point that he is more than just, oh, an, 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 an injury-prone big man. Like, I can almost guarantee he's trying to prove the people and fan, in, in the fans in this city wrong. And guess what happened? Now he's freaking hurt. Yeah. To what extent? We don't know. We don't know how serious the extent of this injury is, but I can guarantee you there will be, there will not be an apologize from the media. And I do believe that they should apologize to some degree. And it just, it it comes off as Joel Embiid is just never able to win because last he, when he shows that he wants to win like MVP, for example, people are like, Oh my God, he's begging for it. And now this year, like maybe up until this point he hadn't cared about that 65 game mandate and everyone's like, Oh my God, doesn't he care? But like he can't win. Whatever he does is wrong to these people because they just hate him for some odd reason. And like, I want to focus in real quick on this whole MVP 65 game thing, because it, it's, it's so fucking weird. Joel Embiid last year played 66 games and it was the second lowest ever by an MVP winner. So in my opinion, the MVP voters have already been taking that into consideration. There was no need for a rule because listen, if Joel does, you know, miss, uh, let's say, let's say he plays 60 games, right. Or even 55 games, like, okay, whatever. He's not going to be MVP. And I can, I can deal with that. But like, and Tyrese Halliburton also falls into this because he's missed a bunch of games. You're telling me that those two guys aren't going to be all NBA first team guys because they didn't play enough games, even though, they're two of the best players in the NFL, NBA this year, and Joel Embiid is having one of the greatest seasons of all time. And he, you're going to tell me he's not a top 15 player in the NBA this year because he didn't play – he played five less games than, he, than this fucking mandate said. I really think that this thing's only going to last one year because it's it's dumb as shit, man. I, like I said, I can rectify – you know, he won't win MVP if he doesn't play enough games, but that should not impact the all te- all NBA teams. No, it really shouldn't. It, it, it's it's a bullcrap rule, and it's 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 really such a shame because now now we're going to pretty much limp into the playoffs, and now we're gonna have an out of shape Embiid, which is the crazy part, because now everybody's gonna complain about how oh he was nursing that knee injury, now he's gonna be out of shape. Oh, now if we lose, like that's gonna be the rhetoric, and like it it's in, it's infuriating to me. As a Sixers fan, as an Embiid fan, and I'm gonna tell y'all this right now for all y'all that's com- that's complaining about Embiid, and I'm gonna close out with this: y'all gonna miss that man when he's gone from this team, because Absolutely. there will there will be there will never be a level of greatness to which we have seen from the big man position that we've seen from Joel Embiid. And I'm done. Absolutely. And my last thing too will be just in general with the whole All NBA thing. I think I think it's such bullshit that like. You have guys that have like contract things that say like, you know, you make an all NBA team and you make this money or whatever. And like the fact that that's just left up to like these random writers and voters, is it's just always been kind of weird to me. But I'm just going to look and laugh at the end of the year if Joel Embiid doesn't make first team all NBA because he didn't play enough games because of this stupid fucking rule that probably will only last one year. So it's just annoying. I hope Joel gets better. Uh, like it sucks to see this, man. It really does. I hope that that injury isn't bad. And even if it isn't, I hope that he sits out for all the time he needs to get back, get ready, get in shape before the playoffs. Because at the end of the day, that's all I care about. I want this team to make a fucking playoff run, and they're just not doing that without Joel Embiid. So hopefully, this MRI goes well. And if it does, I hope he takes the proper time and care to prepare himself. To come back when he is fully 150% ready and, you know, uh, enough time to get ready and get in shape for the playoffs because that's what matters at the end of the day. But 
fuck the media, fuck the fans in this city who shit talk Joel, and fuck anyone else who was pushing this narrative about him ducking or him faking injuries. Because at the end of the day, like you're good, you guys might be the reason why this fucking happened, and are robbing the basketball fans of great play by one of the best players of this generation. So that's all I got to say, um, guys. I appreciate you all listening again. Me and Ty really appreciate, you know, we're here doing our thing without the rest of the gang. But like I said, they should be back next week. So we are excited for that, for a reunion. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we're talking about next week. Hopefully there's uh, some good news to talk about on, on this Embiid front. So from Vince, from Ty, thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Uh,